This is Radio Plasma, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Welcome to Radio Plasma. June is Immigrant Heritage Month, and this is our series of immigrant stories. The voices and experiences of the people who came from near and far to make a life in the United States and contributing to the growth and diversity of our society with their knowledge, skills, and cultural heritage. This is the story of Vitek Kruta from Czechoslovakia. He currently lives in the city of Holyoke, Massachusetts, and he is an artist, painter, fine art, and antique restorer. Dobrý den, dobrý večer. Jmenuji se Vítek Kruta a jsem z České republiky. A jsem tady pozván na interview a nyní budu mluvit anglicky. My name is Vítek Kruta and I am from Czechoslovakia. Not too many people will probably know what Czechoslovakia is today because it's the currently Czech Republic and uh, Slovakia is no longer part of it. And here's how it goes. This was the story. I was born in 1962. In 1968, my country was invaded by Russians, by the Soviet Union army and by the uh, Warsaw Pact uh, armies of Poland, Yugoslavia, Hungary and Russia. Uh, so as a little boy, I have been uh, watching uh, my city and my country being destroyed by t tanks and um, people being shot on the streets. And then, of course, um, uh, as the time went and I was growing up and I was involved in the school, going to schools, my first great day was I was being chased by a Russian tank to get into the school. So this was my very first day of going to school when I was six years old. Three years later, my mother died uh, of cancer. My father had to get two different jobs uh, because I also had three sisters, older sisters, and he had to feed us all. And that was part of the uh, me end up growing up pretty much by myself since I was 12 years old. That being said, I went to a school and a lot of my friends, their parents, were intellectuals, members of the opposition against the communist government. And by the time I was 15 years old, I was very heavily involved with the underground movement against the communism and against the dictatorship there. That little by little escalated to the point where we have been persecuted and constantly being watched by police and a lot of friends end up in jail. One of the people that was part of this movement became later the Czech president Václav Havel and then many other friends from that time after the Czech revolution became part of the government and turned things around a little bit. But that's That's later. So now we are talking uh, 1981. It was the time for me 
to leave the country. Um, the circumstances were that I was um, organizing a couple of concerts and underground exhibits because at the time none of it was allowed. All the art forms, including rock and roll, was the imperialistic art form totally forbidden by the communists. And because I was organizer of these events, they were looking for uh, people who uh, were in charge and I got the message to hide and for a couple of weeks I've been hiding while my father uh, actually helped me to find a seat on a bus that went to Germany. Uh, and uh, the seat was left by somebody who got sick and couldn't go on that trip. So um, I won't go into too much other details about how I got over the borders, but I left Czechoslovakia in 1981 on this bus and... The first stop, which was in Nuremberg, I just got out of the bus and never returned. So here I was in the country that I had no clue about anything, didn't speak the language, and left all my belongings in the bus and was basically on the street. So that was the beginning of my emigration experience. With very, very broken English at the time, basically... I knew how to say yes, no, okay, and that was it. I was able to find people who then helped me to get uh, to the refugee camp. And then uh, when I arrived at the refugee camp, I had to ask for asylum. And then I was in the refugee camp for several months trying to uh, figure out what my future is going to look like. Those months I have been not just sitting and waiting. I had to go pretty much every day to deal with, with some paperwork or talk to uh, embassies and talk to uh, people about learning German language. And when I was allowed to get asylum, I went to a school to learn German. So for next seven months, basically, every day for five hours, I've been learning German language. It was very hard to actually learn, especially if you don't know anybody, so you don't have the opportunity to talk in that language that much until you find people who are willing to listen to you, who are patient enough to wait until you actually can express your thoughts in that language. And the language barrier is a huge issue until you learn how to talk and read and write in that language. And then I realized that even though I spoke the language, I did not understand the culture. And that was the next part of my immigration experience is, okay, now that I can ask questions and I can understand the answers, I need to learn a lot about the actual culture of that, of that country. I end up... Um, learning enough that when I got a job, I worked for a restoration company restoring castles and churches in Germany. I was able to write 300 pages reports and make documentations on these historic buildings and do some research and got really into it um, and study very hard so I could understand the subject. And very quickly, I realized that in order to succeed, I have to be like much, much better than anybody else who was born in that country. So 
that is something that is part of the immigration experience that I had. One of the other things I would like to mention is um, there was certain trauma and the trauma brought uh, with it specific phenomena and that was dreams or nightmares. And for about six years, I would have these dreams where in the dream I would be back in my country. I would be visiting places and friends and family. And somewhere in the middle of the dream, there would be a policeman or secret police or somebody coming to me and asking me for my papers, for my ID. And I would realize in that moment that I did not have the ID and I had to leave. I left and then they would arrest me if I don't produce those papers. So in the dream, I am now turning around and running away like crazy and and I'm sweating and I'm like screaming and then I'm waking up and I'm in the bed I don't even know where I am and I'm sweated and and takes a couple of minutes to realize that I'm no longer in Czechoslovakia but I'm somewhere else safe and in in good place so that I just needed to mention that as a part of experience that you as a as a someone who left a country under these circumstances might have these traumatic experiences and then i end up living 10 years in germany and within those 10 years uh, i was joined by my good friend who became later my wife and then we had three kids together and then uh, 1989 something happened that none of us ever, ever expected to happen. And that was the end of communism in Europe. It was absolutely amazing. We were crying and we were like, now what? And now we realize that we were already, our kids were born in Germany. They were started to learn German. We started to have adult career. Like uh, when I left Czechoslovakia, I was a student. I just finished my school. So I never had working experience in Czechoslovakia. So now 10 years later, I am trying to figure out what are we going to do? Going back, staying in Germany. At the same time, a couple of years after I left, my father left. And to make the long story short, he end up moving to United States. So the choice we made was that we wanted to live together and the option for us to was to move to United States and live there together. Or all of us to move back to Czechoslovakia or we couldn't live together in Germany or he left via Austria. So it was very complicated that way. So after... Seven years of trying, we end up moving to United States and start to live in Connecticut. That was year 1991. That was the big move where we moved to Connecticut with three little kids. The youngest one just learned how to walk there uh, with, with $5,000 in our packet, n- not knowing anybody. And... Uh, not speaking English. So the whole thing started again, figuring out how to start, how to meet people. So the first six months 
we have been still talking to to people here in the United States, German, whoever knew how to speak German, well, because we didn't speak any English. We started to go to a school for one hour a week to learn English, and we were watching movies with a dictionary in the hand, and <laughs> learning funny phrases. For example, our favorite movie was um, Robin Hood with Kevin Costner. So imagine we, we saw that we were watching that movie about 60 times with the dictionary and learn stupid phrases like keep the stitches small when <laughs> they were sewing each other's faces after a battle or something. So it was kind of funny that we, we actually were like, okay, we'll see when we can use those kind of phrases, right? But it was essential to us that we learn English and we learn it quickly so we could actually get our, again, uh, understand where we are, get work and get jobs. And then, again, just like in Germany, uh, once the more we started to understand the language itself, the more we understood that we don't understand the culture itself. And here we go again. So uh, now I remember back in Germany, uh, some Czech people were talking about living in America and they said, you know, if, if Americans would be green, it would be much easier to understand that they are different. But because they are not green, they look just like us then it's much difficult to actually understand that they are different than the Europeans. This was some of the facts where I started to learn that you don't know about the culture of America. You don't know, and the Americans really don't know much about Europe either. So this kind of situation uh, seems to be not really problematic, but it is actually essential of finding your grounds and finding your foot in this new culture. And as an immigrant, it is the most difficult thing to really understand because you really don't know how much you absorb growing up in that country until you move in somewhere else where you didn't grow up and you realize, oh my God, I don't really know anything The history that you might read about certain places that could be presented to you by whoever won the war, right? How they say the history is uh, written by those who won the war. So it could be very different. The communist countries would present American history in very different view than the American historian would present American history in their views. And so the Germans, and, and the more you travel through the world, the more you are actually realizing that everybody has an agenda and everybody is protecting their own uh, business uh, no matter where you go. And so once you move from country to country and you learn more and more about it, you realize that there's a big difference on certain level. On the other hand, you also learn very quickly that people are the same all over the place. They have the same needs, they have the same dramas and they have the same fun that they do and after sometimes you realize that there's really no difference in humans except what we want that to be right and that's part of of my emigration experience is that i learned very quickly that to be open and to be 
listening and to be understanding and to be welcoming change and welcoming diversity and welcoming ideas because if you can't do that you cannot be part of the world there's no way to do that after leaving Czechoslovakia Vitek was able to return a few years after finding himself in the Czech Republic a different place well um, I have been back to Czech Republic um, so It's kind of interesting. The first time I went was right after the revolution, which means in 1989, I was able to go back and visit. And imagine I was gone for 10 years. When I returned, the house that I lived had still the same scaffolding on it that was there when I was leaving. So for 10 years, totally rusted scaffolding. This is, this is the example of the economy that was complete disaster and nothing really was happening there. And it was, the city was much more run down. When I left, there were like holes in, in all streets and broken houses and everything was like dark and dirty because for 50 years, nobody painted anything. Nobody repaired anything. Nobody did any improvements because it was all government-run operations and the government couldn't really do anything because people were also not doing anything and for all these whatever reasons. So that was my first visit. And then when I went there next, which was about six years later, it was absolutely shocking change. And... That was when I realized, oh yeah, this country just joined the rest of the world. And suddenly it became very similar to what we know here in, in, in the United States or in Western Europe. I was not sure how great it was. It was definitely, I was definitely happy for all these changes and, and the city is absolutely beautiful. But with that, joining the world, the... Czechoslovakian originality and some folk traditions and some iconic places disappeared. So, you know, you have some beautiful buildings that you knew as a beautiful cafes and next thing you know, it's McDonald's, right? The corporations and the, you know, the phone companies and the car companies, they have their logo everywhere and they just sort of ran over Europe and, and expanded. And the next thing you know, you go back to Europe and you, you don't see much difference anymore, you know, except the historic part. Adapting to the Western world culture, United States, and particularly the New England culture, it's a process that was not always an easy one. It is difficult, it was difficult, especially in Germany, and then a little bit here is when you open your mouth and, and people know that you are not speaking uh, clear English with Connecticut accent, they immediately judge you or they immediately have a reaction to it, right? And sometimes it's good because the reaction is like, oh, we really need to start to pay attention to what he has to say, right? Right. Or sometimes the reaction is like, 
you know, why should we trust this guy? Like, why should we trust what he's saying that he can do or cannot do, you know? And it doesn't really matter if you are a doctor or if you are architect or if you are scientist or whatever. If you open your mouth and you don't speak clear English, they are going to doubt your credentials. That's my experience. And it's kind of sad that way. And I have seen actually, you know, I have I met doctors from Russia and from Czech Republic and from Europe. And I met architects. They have to go through basically, and if they want to continue in their professions, they have to go through the schooling. They have to take years and years of, of getting new credentials. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you are a neurosurgeon, you still have to do it. You still have to learn those ways how it's done here and get your credentials i understand with doctors they want to know that you actually really can do it but you know if you are somebody who's restoring churches and castles you should probably think that someone who comes from europe where the churches and castles are would probably know what they are talking about right so that to me uh, was very difficult at the beginning when my english was not good enough Today, I don't think I have that problem anymore, and I feel like I'm being respected for that. But I still see that reaction, even with my accent right now. You know, every time uh, I open my mouth, and then it's it's that immediate thing. Oh, where are you from? You know, it's that immediate like, oh, uh, you know. Next thing is like, oh, I know somebody somebody from your country. <laughs> you know. So I guess this is something that I learned how to live with. I don't even question that anymore. It's uh, to me, it's a waste of time, but you know, sometimes it leads to a good discussions and sometimes it's not the right time to get into those details. You know. The place we call home sometimes is just a memory. We ask Bitek what it means home for him. Where is it? Well, it's, it's really interesting because People keep asking me this question all the time. And I think the home, the idea of home is the place where you were born. Hopefully you had a good memories for that. And, you know, you had also people around you who cared for you and you felt safe. In my case, that ended when I was six years old, right? But there's still the deep kind of memory of, of having that kind of environment and That's what home is. But the other thing is in me so deeply that no matter where I go and being artist, my artistic sensitivities take me always back to what I was used to, you know, see the castles and beautiful forests and, and beautiful, you know. So even in my paintings and in my work, you will always see that because it's part of me. That's where I come from, and I can I cannot just erase that, right? But on deeper philosophical level, I have been trying to describe that feeling. Uh, how do I feel at home? And I can tell you that the best description of it would be like, I feel like being a whale on the beach. It's kind of interesting simile, if you will. We know today that whales and fish and birds, they depend on the uh, magnetic field. And, 
you know, now lately the magnetic field is doing weird things. It's fluctuating. And uh, next thing you know, you have a bunch of dolphins beached on the beach. So they are not really responsible for the fluctuation, right? So I feel like the circumstances of the world that I grew up in were the same. Like I couldn't really do anything about it. And it threw me off of the ocean where I came from onto the beach, right? The beach happens to be, you know, Western Germany or or now United States. That's the beach for me. And on that beach, imagine you probably have seen those scenes where uh, people now come and they found these dolphins and the, the, the whales and and they are wonderful people and they try to help and they take care of them and you know but at some point i felt like i would be too injured by that that if i go back to the ocean i would not survive there and it's the same after spending 25 years in emigration going back to where i came from would be extremely difficult for me to go back and uh, assimilate to that or even understand where my country moved in those 25 years. It's almost two generations of people. And also when I left, it's again going back to the language. My language was a language of a 19-year-old person. And then it stopped with the 19-year-old person. So... I would have to go back and basically just learn that language again to speak as an adult, right? So, again, it's like going back to this whale on the beach. These wonderful people, they helped, they rescued the whale, and then they were able to put the whale in this enormous, beautiful aquarium, right? So, this is sometimes how I feel. Like, I am in this aquarium, I'm surrounded by amazing people they love me and they take care of me and all that but the aquarium is not the ocean the arts are the connector for every place bitek has been so we wanted to know how the arts represent his identity culture and heritage well the arts are extremely important to me because um, this is how i connect with my soul and with my heart. And I found out that every time I go into difficult situations, trying to figure out the world around me, the best way for me is to write poetry, for example. That kind of uh, helped me to put words to my feelings. You know, guys don't do that very easily. They don't express their feelings very easily. So going really deep into analyzing how I feel and then try to put it in the words, in the poetry, that is very, very helpful. I have never written poetry in expectation to like read it to people or publish it. Maybe I will one day, but, but it was really helpful. So are my paintings. All my paintings are painted out of memory. I never look at anything to see what it looks like. I always paint everything out of my memory. And if you look at closely, the paintings, uh, the frames look like buildings from old Europe. They have pillars and they, are, they have decorations on it. And there are these beautiful landscapes. And I call those paintings inscapes. And in those inscapes, there's always room for a place to go. And it's an invitation to everybody who's looking at those paintings. So 
you can walk into them and you can be part of it. And I think, again, there's a lot of, lot of beauty that came. I, I think everybody, every country is beautiful. We, have, we live in a beautiful world. And if you find a way how to process that beauty and, and be able to put it out there and make it accessible to people, I think it's, it's one of the best things you can do. So. What it means immigration. Czech people have interesting saying. I am not sure if I can translate it properly, but the saying says something like, the many languages you speak, the many times you are a human. And when I was explaining about learning about other people's culture, after learning their language, it kind of started to make sense to me that there's a lot of fear that we all have, fear of unknown and fear of this and that. And once you are open to really listen and learn and discover, you realize that we are surrounded by wonders every day and by amazing people every day. So that amazing experience comes up much more often when we talk about immigration. Because every one of us who, who left their country and they are now in the world, we are like these little unique packages of experience and ideas that the place where we are might not know about it. You know? And I was just recently at the uh, naturalization ceremony for new immigrants. There were people from 110 countries And there were something like 1,200 new people that they, they became U.S. citizens. And it was overwhelming. I was just so amazed at the variety and at, at the richness of that group. And I was thinking, you know, there's something about the level of social intelligence, if you will. And imagine that you have these experiences from around the world in one room. Now all these people agree to be part of one place. Do you think that that place would be like the most amazing place with the highest social intelligence there is? Of course, right? So if I'm talking about immigration, I believe that United States is one of the best human experiments there is. Sometimes it's working out, sometimes it's not. You know, but the issues and the topics they are being discussed and dealt with every day here, you know, when I go back to Europe, they might not be even on people's radar yet because of the lack of the diversity there. I find it fascinating and I'm really happy that I could be part of this human experience and I'm enjoying every single minute of it. You know, it's not easy all the time. But I feel like I have the opportunity to grow as a person. And I hope that everybody can feel the same way. What it means for BTEC to be here? What it means to me to be here is that, again, I, I'm part of much larger humanity than anywhere else in the world because of all the people and all the immigrants that this country is made of. And It should be celebrated. It should be the tradition. And it, it's no question in my mind that every person who moves here and share their experiences and ideas are contributing to the social intelligence of United States. I'm very happy to be here. 
learn every day, be open, keep your mind open, discover, have fun, be excited, and share that with all other people around you. This is the story of Bite Kruta from Czechoslovakia in our series of immigrant stories celebrating Immigrant Heritage Month during the month of June on Radio Plasma. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega. Thank you for listening.